So you've got developers writing lots and lots of code, and then they say they're ready, it works on my laptop, they throw it over the wall to operations, and then operations try and deploy it based upon some rumbuck or something, and the whole world falls apart. And everyone then points the finger of blame at everyone else. It's like, when it works on my laptop, but it doesn't work in production, who cares about your laptop? I'm gonna come and throw your laptop out of a window, I'm gonna throw you out of a window, etc. Welcome to Cloud Unplugged. Thanks for being here on the podcast. I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, tell you a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. My name is Colin Humphreys. I'm the CEO of a company called Sintasso. Sintasso makes an open source framework called Cratix T-shirt here today. Some free advertising there. Yeah, so it's an open source framework called Cratix that we make. It's to help people build platform products. Right. So it's a framework to help people build platform products. And I feel like every kind of word in that sentence needs to be decomposed, yeah. unpacked. Yeah. We need to work out what that is. But that's what we do at Sintasse. We build Cratics Framework Building Platform Products. Personally, founded the company two years ago. Prior to that, I was chief technologist at VMware Tanzu. Uh, prior to that, I was CTO at Pivotal. Prior to that, I was CEO of a little country called Country Company, an entire country called Cloud Credo. And the team at Sintasso were the leadership team we had at Cloud Credo, and they've been through the Pivotal VMware journey as well. So we've seen a huge amount of platform space over the last kind of 20 years or so. So we've seen and done a lot of the wrong ways to do things. And we're trying to now start doing things, you know, an iota better, keep learning from our mistakes, keep adapting. So we're trying to just improve how we help people build great platforms. Okay, so by platforms, because it's quite a, an, I guess, overused term in lots of different contexts. So some people, you know, like I was speaking to somebody before and they might have like a, they might classify their application as a platform because it's got loads of components on it. So by platform definition, you kind of mean for developer, like developer elements and enabling kind of developers to ship code and ship applications or I guess that's the context, yeah. This is a great question, by the way, because every term we use in our industry seems to be so heavily overloaded. So platform's a good one. Services, I think, is the term that's banned because I talk about services in the past and someone would say, do you mean services? So I've got my, my database and my cache. Or yeah. do you mean services, like professional services? Like services just means so many things to so many people, like as a service. Platform's massively heavily overloaded, so you do have to define the term. But also, even then, you spoke about like for developers. Yeah. And I think it's one of my kind of little bugbears because like on the podcast, I want to bring my my real self here and when you see my real self i immediately start thinking this thing annoys me that thing annoys me so let's just get this first thing out right now so i think often people use the term developer to mean somebody who works on a, a team typically building an application that drives business value and makes money and then they talk about somebody who works on a platform team almost synonymously with like operations and operators and my real passion here is arguably far more like platform development so i think an application team should have developers or people doing a development role people doing an operations role people doing product management role like design role there's a whole bunch of uh, like responsibilities on application teams and a platform team should also have developers on it so you're saying it's a platform for developers and i'm like yes it helps people doing development at the application team level but at the platform team level they need to have their own developers operators designers product managers they're all roles within a platform team so that we kind of rephrase then so the the consumers or the users of this platform downstream user so if they do like user research on what it is they're building the user research should be performing in, for the platform team would be for the developers to find out what it is like how they want it to work how they need to do things so the user downstream user would be of a developer for platform in this case 
I think there's developers on the platform team. And I think on the application teams, there's developers, but also those people should be operating their applications. A really good vernacular, I think, has been tremendously effective and I can't speak highly enough about is team topologies. I don't know if you've read the team topologies book, but thoroughly recommend it. People on the podcast, I'm not, I'm not on a kickback, but after saying this, I'm going to try and get a kickback. So team topologies, amazing book. It provides a, a very simple vocabulary for how we describe teams. And they talk about four team types. One of those team types is platform teams. And another one, which I'm saying application teams, but effectively what's synonymous with that is stream aligned teams. That's how they describe it. And the stream aligned teams is, is the teams that drive the flow of the business and get the business value delivered. So the role of the platform team is to make the stream aligned teams lives easier to be specific about that so they talk as well about this concept cognitive load how can we make life easier for the stream aligned teams how can we mean that they have to think about fewer things while they're delivering business value so they can be more efficient high performance be more secure all of those kind of things so i think the thinking about it in those terms is a very good way to look at it so that also gives you the context by which to look at a platform team what that platform team delivers could be all manner of things. It could be just technologies, could be tooling, could be guides, could be just so many things that they could deliver. But their criteria for success is to what extent are they making life easier and lowering the cognitive load for those stream aligned teams. I tend not to say stream aligned teams, unless you've read the book, it's a weird concept. I tend to say application team, platform team. But yes, that's why I had to unpick so much there to be like, when we're talking about platforms, it is this team who are, or multiple teams, who are helping out those application teams to make their lives easier. Yeah, see, I'm going to be quite unpopular because I do love team topologies, but I don't like cognitive load. (laughs) I don't dislike it. It's like one of those things that does that's so immeasurable, it kind of is meaningless because I get it. It's like, but I've never got to like your cognitive load looks really high right now and so it's like it's such a a difficult thing to rationalize what you're measuring against when you say it if you see what i mean whereas like productivity is is a measurable thing and if cognitive load's an impact of productivity then just say productivity I like that, John, by the way. I think I'm a big fan of the whole, if you can't measure it, you can't move it. And therefore, cognitive load is tough to measure. But I think when we lower it, we can observe certain outcomes getting better. So I often think a good way to talk to the platform teams, I mean, Dora metrics on the application teams are a good way of looking at it. So if we look at those, how can we help them drive better Dora metrics? So when their cognitive load is lowered, they will be able to be more productive and then we will see these things get better. But it feels like productivity is the thing because it could be that they're just not highly skilled in that job and therefore the cognitive load's high and it's nothing to do with the platform. It's just that they don't have experience of the technology. So it's very difficult to be like, oh, well, if we solve this, it's like, well, how do you differentiate? I don't know. It's quite a challenging thing. I kind of like it conceptually because it kind of makes sense, obviously, you know, in lots of different contexts, like having just a high cognitive load, no matter what it was, whatever you're doing cooking if it's a complex recipe whatever it kind of is it kind of makes sense but it's quite an immeasurable i mean, I don't have an issue with it conceptually just an issue with it in terms of like business value recognition it's like it just can't measure it i'm like i don't know i just stick with productivity that's how i feel i'm a bit, a bit of a i could be properly massively unpopular because <laughs> people i've heard people use it a lot i'm like a bit of an outlier Call it as you see it, definitely. Yeah. Like I say, this is this is just us having a chat on a podcast. Yeah. So like call it as you see it. I do I mean what I can say, maybe to empathize with you, is that I definitely have an internal lookup table of team topologies vocabulary to things that I would say to people in general unless I know they've read team topologies yeah. so I have to have this like look up so I when I don't tend, generally tend to pull out like cognitive load in a chat with someone who I know isn't familiar with the concepts I'll talk about like their job is to delight the platform team's job is to delight the application team yeah. to make their lives easier how can we help them like get to value faster how can we help them have fewer failures I might start almost enumerating the Dora metrics or talking about being helpful 
And I think all those things are repercussions of lowering the cognitive load. But so, yeah, I think just making life better for those teams yeah, <laughs> like, is a very easy yeah. way, a very easy way to get to. Like, then you talk about how do we measure that and how do we move those needles? But I also just want to come back to you saying about the word platform being so heavily overloaded. The number of people we have where the we're working with, we have a platform team, but the stream aligned teams in the organization are also building a platform and it gets very complicated. Right. And also I'd say the majority of people I've been speaking to maybe the last five years have platform teams as I would identify them and don't call them platform teams. They typically call them SRE teams or DevOps teams or support team or something else. Yet to all intents and purposes, they're what I describe as a platform team because their job is to make life easier for other teams in the organization. So it's been very interesting to see that. And I think SRE teams, I've never seen outside of Google an SRE team the SRE as per the Google book and has error budgets and the pages passing across. So I think nearly all SRE teams are actually platform teams or even just operations teams. And nobody I've seen outside of Google is doing SRE in the right way with the error budgets and the page are passing responsibility for that's passing across based upon the downtime of the application and its availability. And doing engineering on the application itself because I think in Google they actually fix the problems to improve in the app itself being responsible like for the scale or reliability of it so they'll be able to contribute whereas I think you're right I think most of the time you just see embedded DevOps in an application team kind of performing operational tasks but not necessarily being true SREs and yeah that does definitely see that so I think just to agree with you that I think our use of vocabulary is it's tough to communicate isn't it it turns out it's so tough I've probably walked away thinking everyone's understood me and probably everyone's been just equally like I've probably confused more people and I've probably had sensible conversations but in my mind I was like, oh, that went well. And they're probably bamboozled by the time I've like walked away and probably like no idea what he's going on about all these different terms. I think but- we try to, because I've done that, to, I've bamboozled so many people. I've been taught and tried to do a reflective listening where I repeat back to you. And quite often those things become like cyclical where like you reflect back and they're like, that's not quite what I meant, but let's try this out. And you end up in like a, a circle of misunderstanding <laughs> where everyone's trying to reflect everyone else, but it never quite closes the, uh, closes the, the situation. So I guess then, so the platform framework, which is for them platform teams, I guess the team that's made up of like a multidisciplinary team is what you're saying who wants to build a platform product is that what you would classify as or just a platform what was the classification at the end i suppose when you use the framework what does it give you so i think you could call it a platform product that's interesting to describe it in that way i think calling it a i mean most people start with something they like to describe as a platform and then hopefully you're evolving towards a better platform i think the product element gets super interesting to discuss so I'm going to make some controversial statements here on a podcast. Why not? So platform engineering is currently a very fashionable thing. I'm a big fan of platform engineering, but I see it absolutely as necessary for building a good platform, but not sufficient for building a good platform for all the reasons I just enumerated. So in the same way that if I had a team and it was 100% engineers and I expected them to build something that was awesome and really delighted all my users... I mean, what's going to happen next? Because they're going to be lacking the skills around product management. They're going to be lacking design. They're going to be lacking the components of what I call a balanced product team. So whenever we talk about platform engineering, it's great. Let's do some platform engineering because we're going to need some engineers to build a good platform. But we're also going to need product management to help us understand like the use cases, etc. Design to help us have that empathy with the users and think about the experience. We're going to need to talk about all of the parts of a balanced team. So I think platform engineering is just the first step towards platform as a product and having a product mindset so that we are building platforms that are there to address the needs of the users. Back to what I said in terms of like thinking about our streamlined teams, application teams as customers, you know, they're the customers of this platform and we need to have that customer focus 
a dedication to delighting them, all those parts that make platform as a product. So I see platform engineering, the current fad, as just one subcomponent of platform as a product. And the other subcomponents are obviously product management and design. And I think that the platform layer, product management and design are incredibly neglected disciplines. And nearly every question I get asked about platforms in terms of them not going well is, you know, things like, I did a two-year Gantt chart building my platform. I spent 10 million quid on it. I built the platform and nobody used it. And it's like, did you get fast feedback? Did you work in small batches? Did you do any kind of validation with your users? I basically describe design and product management in terms of a series of questions to the people that have built these platforms. And it's just like, no, 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 no. We sat down and did two years engineering and no one's using it and the business says it's a complete waste of money. But we think we've built the world's best platform. It's the most amazing thing. So this is why I think platform engineering is great because you know you want to build actual value. But in the absence of platform product management and platform design, it's going to be a wasted effort. You need to do small batches, fast feedback. You need to learn with your users. You need to empathize with your users. You need to focus on your users. The two-year Gantt chart of spending a huge amount of money on loads of really, you know, building an amazingly fancy spaceship, like those days are gone and a good riddance to them. And do you think then, because we're in the same space, I suppose in some ways I'm not doing myself any favors by God of saying this, but I can kind of understand, like, I suppose the investment cost, if like from the business side, if I was to wear, take our hats off and then pretend I was like a customer and put that hat on, you're probably going to yield some cost benefits and cost value, obviously, from doing platform engineering, but it is then a constant cost center because you can never resell it. So like other product investments, the aim is that it drives a revenue stream. So having a multidisciplinary team kind of makes sense because it's going to be like potentially on most businesses, it should be revenue driven, I imagine, because it's going to be kind of the business. A platform isn't directly revenue driven. It's revenue connected, but it's always then going to have a cost to it and an investment cost to it constantly. So I can imagine people not, you might not necessarily see it in such a way to think of it in the way that you're saying because of that, to kind of want to work in that way because you're like, why do we need so many people to facilitate the ask of like the rest of the business where I am going to make money for those products and why are we treating this as if it is the same and it isn't the same, if you see what I mean. Thanks. That's a great question, by the way. I really appreciate that. And I think talking about the business case, I think that's been one of the easiest things to talk about. So my kind of lived experience with this is that way back when, kind of late 90s when I started, very much everything was dev and ops. Okay. So you've got developers writing lots and lots of code. And then they say they're ready. It works on my laptop. They throw it over the wall to operations. And then operations try and deploy it based upon some rumbuck or something and the whole world falls apart okay i've taken brands you i'm not going to name them, big car brands big airline brands i've taken them offline for multiple days trying to deploy code and having it all break on me ejb1 from java ejb ones they went so wrong and huge huge outages across like really big brands and everyone then points the finger of blame at everyone else it's like but it works on my laptop but it doesn't work in production who cares about your laptop i'm going to come and throw your laptop out of a window i'm going to throw you out of a window etc that's the kind of conversation you get into that didn't work too well so then we had thankfully late noughties kind of 2008 2009 the move towards devops trying to culturally bring these groups together culturally think about driving shared outcomes together and that was great so i think people really jumped into devops because it was far less toxic of a relationship between these kind of groups so what you then i think saw was you saw the emergence of devops teams in large organizations so i'd go to banks and they'd have multiple hundreds of devops teams and what you'd see is Effectively, the people who are in operations mixed in, so cross-functional teams, mixed into the development with the developers, and each team would be assigned a small product, and that was great. And then, effectively, they had their own choice of what infrastructure you're going to use, what you're going to use in terms of like you know your tin, your everything. Like 
choose your cloud, choose whatever you want to do. So I've seen this many, many times, multiple hundreds of DevOps teams. But what you find is each DevOps team then builds its own little platform, their own platform for their own application. And when you saw like microservices come along as like, let's do that. So each team may be building out like 20 microservices inside that one team. Not a great idea. I don't want to go into microservices right now, but you saw that happen quite a lot. And then you saw they have to build their own platform to run those microservices. And what you would see is multiple hundreds of very similar looking platforms emerging because your app can't run without something to run it on. So a platform needs to be there to run it. So you see hundreds of platforms emerging and you typically see these teams, particularly in large organizations where there's lots of regulatory stuff, compliance, governance, et cetera, all of that kind of stuff. You see these teams spending most 20% of their time actually delivering business value and 80% of the time working out how to get the platform and the infrastructure to be compliant, to be governed, to work properly, all that kind of stuff. So effectively, you might be looking at an organization with, say, 5,000 developers, and effectively 4,000 developers worth of time is on building platforms. So you might take 100 of those developers and build a great platform, and then you're going to save yourself like 3,900 developers worth of time. Now, you don't have to fire those developers. You can put them actually onto building great business values. Another way to look at it is you're going to 5x the capabilities in your business. And when they're delivering those capabilities, because they've got a platform which hopefully delivers things as a service when they're needed that are relevant and bespoke to the organization. Sorry, listeners, if you're not watching, you're listening. I was smacking my hand there next to the microphone <laughs> with emphasis. I think what the kids do when they clap, as a service. <laughs> bespoke and relevant for emphasis. So when you get that platform that really is delivering great outcomes inside the business, that means before when everyone would have to long time to value because you have to like, you get your DevOps team going, you build your platform, etc. Now people are like, yes, I need some web serving, I need database, I need cash, I need identity, I need this. And they're just making API calls and getting those things. And they're just getting on with the business they need to be getting on with rather than thinking about platform building. So when we see platforms be successful, it's tremendous business outcomes. And I think you can talk about productivity going up exponentially. You can talk about efficiency. So that business, if it's kind of a steady state business, I wouldn't recommend this, but they could fire the other 3,900 developers, you know, have a massive cost cutting. It's like the efficiency has gone up. But then you talk about security and risk as well, because if that team of 100 are doing an amazing job building a great platform that encodes all the right governance and compliance and everything else into what's been offered as a service from the platform, that means there's so much less risk in the business because people are using effectively standardized, well-governed components to build their stuff. Yeah. You know, the platform provides all of that. And therefore, your chances of a data leak, your chances of, you know, being hacked, all that kind of stuff is massively reduced in the business. So I think there's, there's so many ways by which platforms can bring tremendous gains to the business on so many aspects that I found that part of it to be, you know, very easy to talk to people about. Yeah, because I've kind of said this before probably on here, but because you're spot on with all those things, I guess if, if everybody's reinventing the wheel, there's a high cost to that wheel reinvention anyway. And if you're all solving pretty much the same problem and all the things you've just said, all like the non-functional requirement elements around it or compliance requirements, etc. But what is interesting as well on that is like the market, when you look at the markets, the cloud security market is exponentially growing. And that means there's a bunch of symptoms being caused by something. So the root cause isn't like, well, you know, I signed up for cloud. We haven't used it yet, but we're really worried about security. You're like, well, clearly you're not. You're only worried about it after you've consumed it. So it's like, so kind of what's going on then on the consumption of it, where you're now worried about how you've consumed it. So surely there's a problem manifesting on like how you are actually consuming the cloud for it to be such a concern that you now have to go and get something to tell you like 
whether you've done a good job or not, you know, and how you've configured it and what the risk is. So it's the preventative side for that cause is the thing that's really this, how you've done it is the problem, really. And that's what platform engineering is to solve, really, isn't it, I think, as well, yeah. So it was like following through that history I was talking about, like DevOps, DevOps. I think those DevOps teams and the combination of that with the forces that are coming in from microservices, they've caused a ton of problems. Well, I mean, they also delivered a lot of value. If you just imagine... I think what's happened is those teams were focused on getting lots of code out quick. And we've been able to throw out so much code very quickly, particularly with containers. We've just got like stuff running everywhere. And someone came up to me at a conference a while back and said, this is when um, Heartbleed, you remember like yeah. there was like loads of SSL vulnerabilities coming out yeah. with all with amazing brands were coming out all like the same, like one after the next quite a few years ago. And they came up to me and said, I've got 30,000 containers running. And I scanned them and the vast majority of them have like SSL exploits all over them. What can I do about this? And at the time I was talking about Cloud Foundries, I have a lot of experience with Cloud Foundry and kind of like PaaS as we knew it. So kind of 12-factor PaaS is like Heroku and Cloud Foundry. And they said, you know, you're talking about build packs here. And you mentioned about if we had this kind of thing. So if we had a customer way back in the day that had 200,000 applications running, all of which had an SSL vulnerability, and we swapped out a component called a build pack inside those applications and upgraded all of them just as is. So because they were using a platform and one of the components of the platform was the dependencies such as SSL, you just swap out the build pack and it upgraded the whole lot. So that was 200,000 done in a single command. Now, this person said, I've got 30,000 containers. They're all of you know unknown provenance. <laughs> like they've just come into the platform. What do I do about them? And I said, you can only contact the container authors so to sort it out. So I think that emergence of, you're absolutely spot on with your point about like, the security tooling, where security tooling is like, taking off because we're kind of causing ourselves a huge number of problems by not having great platforms that kind of take care of that for us you know there's so many teams out there this is the cognitive low point again like if you're building your own platform you have so much to worry about particularly in a large organization there's teams that have to take care of it themselves how do they get anything done because you've just got so many concerns that aren't the business value you're trying to achieve so that's why I'm a big advocate for people building great platforms to help those poor people that have to deliver the business value, like get on with their jobs. I do want to mention, I sound like I'm just here evangelizing platforms, 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 platforms. No, I think it's good though, because it's a market, isn't it, in itself now, I think it's kind of become a recognizing the same as you've got the cloud security market and you've got like monitoring and logging and all these different things. And it's been around a while. It's not like it's new. I think it's just because maybe the complexity of all the different things out there, like there's so much choice, in which case, like how are you integrating with all of this choice and who's integrating all this choice together into something that can be meaningful to somebody else? So I think platform engineering as a thing is obviously just kind of necessary to function well in a business, but there's the misconception of what is an actual platform, like you were saying, and kind of product teams and doing that, I think is probably the linchpin of like outside of measuring velocity and Dora metrics, which are quite, I think, more productivity and reliability focused. They're not cost centric. So you don't have like operational cost in that. It doesn't talk about scale of a team, like what's the balance, you know? If the Dora metrics are amazing, but I spent 200 million, is that good? You know, is like, am I doing well? And it's like, what's the cost ratio of the Dora in context and security and other things? Because it's so vast. It focuses on an element of it, which is really important. And then there is a whole other bit that's kind of not yet recognized as much in the industry. So I think some of the things you're saying around the, the team and the makeup of the team and knowing your users and researching what they need and making sure you, and investing, you know, from an engineering perspective and making it right is really important because that's to frame what it really is you're building at that point. Do you know what I mean? And the importance of what it is you're building because it's got complexity to it and it needs to be thought about properly and needs to have the research in it to do it justice. You raised so many good points here, John. 
I just kind of like moving on to the second ago, and I think there's some bad things I've seen happen with platforms that maybe a bad platform could be masked in amongst all the metrics we've just described. And I think the key sign I think of a bad platform, which wouldn't get picked up by any of the metrics we've just mentioned, is when those application teams are forced to use it. And you see this happen in so many businesses. That we're going to build the most amazing platform. We're going to spend 20 million on it. It's going to be great. They build the platform and they say, well, we spent 20 million on this thing. Now everyone has to use it. Thou shalt use the platform. Yeah, yeah. This is bad for a few reasons. So firstly, it removes the feedback mechanism from the platform because you just got 100% adoption. So now you have no feedback mechanism. It removes any kind of learning because you want people, you want application teams to be trying out new techniques, APIs, tools in the industry and saying, hang on a minute, this thing's really cool. Can we do a prototype with you on this thing? And then we'll start to use it on our team. And then you can see if other teams want it. And then you can use us as a sense-making mechanism and then take that out to other teams. That's how you start to grow your product API. So the moment you say to people, you can only use the things on the platform. You can't use anything else. Your platform is almost fundamentally going to be terrible from that point onwards. It just is. It's like bad platforms start from mandates of thou shalt use a platform. Controversially, would you say that the same as cloud? Like you shall use AWS, would you? Yes, I would. The streamlined teams drive the business in terms of the actual money coming into the business and they're driving the outcomes for the business. So they need to be the kingmakers. They need to, or queenmakers, they need to be deciding what is of use to them. If you tell them this shall be of use to you, I mean, sure, they'll use it. And it might be tremendously reliable, but you might find there's something else out there that can make them 10x more productive. Something else out there that can make them much more efficient and they're not using it purely because of this mandate. So your platform's ability to learn and adapt, as we said earlier about being a good product, the moment you mandate your platform shall be used, it's no longer a product, it's just a platform. You're just back to the world of platform engineering again. This is why I think you remove your ability to learn and to create a continuously learning platform product by mandating people use it. I think some of the more effective ones that I've seen, because you mentioned about how it's not an internal revenue center. Why not? Even if you create some kind of a token system, just like some kind of chargeback, something where you can see people are consuming these things and I can see how much they're consuming it. So I can see if they're using other things because they'd rather use those other things. So you can see so some kind of notion of having feedback baked into the system. I think you need that to build a good platform, whether it's real money being exchanged or not. I think you need to have that sense that if we're going to provide Postgres as a service internally, people have the option to go and use like RDS or you know Google Cloud SQL or whatever. They, they can use whatever they want to use, but they choose not to because the one we use internally is kind of wired into all the right places. The data is going to be the right place for like GDPR and governance and all that kind of stuff. So they know if they use our internal one, they get a better all-round package than something they take off the shelf. That's where the internal platforms can really add value because you know it's the right thing for you to use and you're choosing to use it because it meets all of those things that you need. Yeah, that does make perfect sense. It's tough, though, to be fair, though. To, I mean, not mandating. I think it's spawn. You shouldn't ever mandate because you just use it or, like, basically, that's it. You only get one choice, and the choice is my platform at the end. But I can also see too much choice. You know, facilitating so much choice is also problematic in itself because as much as you want to be able to support, you know, the right thing across the business, if there's an element of scale on that, then the choice is exponentially grown too. There's going to be an engineering cost to make sure that all of the things that you've got to do have got to be kind of catered for. So you're like, that's the trade-off again is like, it's hard because like, am I trading off now on, do I scale up my team? 
to support all the choice internally. It's just a difficult balancing act of like, can I get more money, please? Because there's more choice needed over here and we need to do a bit more engineering. And it's like, okay, yes, but couldn't they use something else? Because isn't that just quite similar to this other thing we're kind of using? Like, well, it is kind of similar, yeah, but it's apparently better. And Thank you. It's a really good point. Yeah. I think what you're describing there again is product management. Product yeah, management is not saying yes to every feature request. It's nearly always saying no to things and yeah. explaining why there's a better way of doing these things. So this is my point about like, when I talk to people about what goes wrong with platforms, they often describe product management back to me. And I thought like that's what's happening here. You're describing yeah. like good product management back to me. I think if the, t- the stream aligns teams if they want to go like actually i'm not going to use these things i want to go and use these other things i think this comes back to another thing we said earlier where those stream aligned teams should not be just developers they should bear the operational cost of the decisions they made when they go off platform so i like to talk about this in terms of skiing which is a slightly weird analogy but like the ski runs are like your platform like you've gone out there you've looked at where it's safe you've put the lifts right next to them you've peace bashed them so they're lovely and smooth and people can go and have a great amazing time on those lifts fantastic this is your platform it's like your kind of paved path analogy it's like if you stay on the platform you're all good we know you aren't going to get into trouble okay if you go off piste there's bears there's rocks there's trees how good a skier are you really and people need to feel that because I think quite too often they go and make some bad choices and they throw it over to operations and say, yeah, I've just selected this random bunch of stuff to use in my app. And I just write the code and look, it works on my laptop. Now you sort the rest of it out. So those application teams, they need to like feel the pain that they've incurred. So they need to be not just application teams in terms of development, they also need to be application operators. So if they choose to go off piste, that's their choice. And there will be times when they choose to, and it's quite right to do so. I worked with a team that needed like 40 gig internal networking for their data, couldn't get it out of the cloud, had to buy some tin, and they bore the cost of those decisions. And that's what made their app work. So there are times when it's the right thing to do because you need that functionality. But they need to be aware that they're just going to write this like bizarre over-the-top like rider for like the platform people where it's like, yeah, I want M&Ms with the blue M&Ms taken out. You go and bear the cost of this. They need to be aware when they take those choices about building like, esoteric things. This isn't about making their CV better. Like they need to, that team and them, they are going to bear the cost for those choices that they know. Yeah, that's really good actually. Because I think that will at least coerce behaviors on wanting to play around with different things. But I guess, I guess we've covered quite a lot of different various things because there's the requirement handling which is like the product management aspect to probably do it in the way we've just kind of discussed on like well that sounds similar to this and this and so that needs a level of domain knowledge having domain knowledge and product management skills very difficult in our space i would say because that's quite a hard it's not impossible obviously i think people can learn product management skills but to understand engineering to understand the personas to understand the overall outcome you're striving for and then the ecosystem that those developers are kind of surrounded by. That's a plethora of skills. I think it's too much to expect any one person to have yeah. those skills. I think that's why you need a balanced team. Very much right. so the platform team should be regarded like in a similar way you would regard an application team. But that set of skills, I think, exist in no one person. And if they did, they'd be such a generalist, they wouldn't be good at any of them. Yeah. Therefore, you need to like focus on constructing a balanced team. But I think your point, your earlier point about not revenue generating or not perceived as revenue generating, I think it's some of the short-sightedness we see in business. So they don't allocate those key skills onto those teams. It's just the people that used to do operations are now relabeled platform engineers and expected to get on with it. And I think that underserves the people on that team who are going to need support in terms of those new disciplines also underserves, underserves the business. I mean, I gave you an example about a business like 5Xing their productivity and their efficiency. Who doesn't want to do that? And yet, I think many businesses I speak to are too short-sighted to realize this. But people, there's probably a misperception though, I think. Because it's so ill-defined anyway, people aren't measuring things. What you're measuring against isn't hugely expansive. And I think most people, and maybe people can definitely disagree with me here, is that tools, people, CI jobs is a platform, right? So 
I trigger a CI job, it runs some tooling, it's got configuration to it, you know, we've got a team of people over it, we're a platform team. Because it's kind of what I would call like manual automation, where it's got human beings in it. It's not really, and that those you know, human beings are almost like a gateway to this platform, and not the actual platform isn't really a consumable thing. Thank you, it's a really good point. And I'll take this opportunity to plug something that's on the Sintasse website. We have a little microsite called Four Journeys, and it talks about some of the like anti-patterns of platform building, trying to help people understand where they are now and how they can move towards better. So I think what you've just discussed is one of those kind of anti-patterns. So the key ones I wanted to mention, I think a lot of platform teams fail by providing effectively the keys to a public cloud and then saying, off you go, here's AWS access. That's it. Off you go. Or giving people like raw Kubernetes and saying like, you've got Kubernetes, just raw Kubernetes, the Kate's API, just go, put whatever you want on Kubernetes. We'll make sure like the kubelets are running and like the API servers are running in the scheduler and you just do whatever you want now. So it's entirely up to you. So I think a lot of people hand over infrastructure and say like, it's done. And what actually happens in those situations is because the infrastructure is in no way customized or bespoke to the business that it's in, they've still got all of that cognitive load and all of those concerns of building their own platform. They're just building on something slightly different to VMs, or in some cases, just on VMs on the public cloud. So you've in no way, you're not a platform team. If you hand out like raw APIs straight over to the teams from public cloud or Kubernetes, you're an infrastructure team. Let's just call it what it is. You're their team handing out vSphere. Like that's it. You're just an infrastructure team. So then I think the reaction to that is people try and do higher level abstractions that are of greater value. And then you end up people, I would say, creating things like big monolithic Terraform code bases, where it's like, who owns the code base? Who's going to pull requests in? Like, we're going to share the code base between teams. Isn't that a good idea? Nothing bad could happen with that. You see people like, oh, it's fine. You write us a Jira ticket and then it's fine. We're really quick with tickets and immediately six week ticket queue happens. So we see Jira, we see Terraform. I know what we'll do to make life easier for everyone. We'll give you Kate's access. We'll give you some Helm charts we found on the internet and you kind of use them when you want but then when you deploy it you need to maintain it it's like this anti-pattern after anti-pattern of how yeah. people do things and i think i mean again team topologies i had this interaction models around kind of like you know collaboration but the key one a platform team needs to move towards is x as a service where you are going into your organization you are learning via collaboration what the right services are so you don't start with a gantt chart and a big plan i've just thought of all the right services you need to go and collaborate with the application teams learn what causes them pain, what the problems are in their lives and what services can be delivered and then build out those services with them in collaboration and then offer those things as a service within your organization. By as a service, I mean on demand. I think right now platform teams are stuck between either you give people things that are on demand like public cloud and like the Kate's API or you give people that things that are bespoke and relevant in your organization like the Helm charts you just customized, like your Terraform repo, like, you know, you find a Jira ticket and I'll go and do a bunch of like SSH commands and run books. So it's like either on demand or bespoke. What organizations need to move towards building a good platform is about offering on demand bespoke services that are high level for their organization. And I'm sure someone's making a framework somewhere to help with that. <laughs> I can't quite remember what it's called. Is it Crantix, Crotix, something like that. And that's its like key point. So, you know, we're kind of, again, we're only a small startup. We've been founded based upon what we've learned on these journeys with people. And we just don't see anything that's out there that is about helping people create bespoke 
but on-demand services in their organization. And I think that's really what, like, the thing that drives me is why I wake up in the morning is try and help companies build out that really, like, high-level productive API of services in their org that, you know, aren't a Jira ticket, aren't a shared Terraform repo, aren't a bunch of Helm charts. Here's the keys to AWS and off you go. Like, those things, I think, are all the wrong abstraction and wrong way of thinking about it. It used to be high-level, bespoke, and proper on-demand API. Yeah, that's really good. Do you think then, because that sounds like I kind of understand exactly now what Cratix is, to be fair, now kind of cemented into me now, you've kind of contextualized it the way that you have and does make a huge amount of sense to me. The flip side, I guess, outside of like, do you think the reason those behaviors or the ways of working are existing, like the anti-patterns that you've kind of labeled, do you think that is because there isn't the right things in the industry to solve those problems? Or do you think that the industry itself is kind of slightly echo chambered around, you know, what, because I guess like any, like any industry in any market, there's a huge amount of traction with certain tools, like the things you labeled, you know, around like Helm and you've labeled like Terraform and, you know, Kubernetes. And so there's a bunch of technology that people just hear and they'll hear it all the time. And therefore, you'll assume, and they could, these could be technologies even in, you know, people talking around like KubeCon and CNCF or PlatformCon and all the different flavors of all different things. So you naturally might assimilate that that is platform engineering because like, yeah, I'm doing like my peers use these tools and they're doing platform engineering and I'm using those tools. So I'm doing platform engineering. We're all building platforms. And yeah, that's it. That's what platform engineering is. And I guess it's a harder thing because you're a bit probably similar to, in thought to me. You're contextualizing business value around it beyond the technology kind of influence, right? Because the technology is there, but they're tools more than platforms. And then you're coming at it from a business perspective and being like, well, something needs to coerce things into something for the users so they can actually accelerate what they're trying to do that's kind of meaningful to them. But our industry isn't necessarily, that market isn't necessarily designed for that thinking at the moment, hugely, I would say. Maybe it's going to get there. I don't know if you agree with me over time. And that's kind of, you know, the platform engineering emergence and what that's all about. But I don't know if it does or doesn't really convey that message very well. Thank you. It's really interesting. I think it's tough to reflect on this and try and work out if what we're doing is is useful. Why hasn't it been done before in quite the way? I mean, we can only each talk about our own journeys and our own experiences and then share those journeys with other people and share those experiences with other people and see how they kind of land. Because you mentioned how, like, what I was talking about kind of landed well with you and made sense. I do want to say that of the tools we enumerated, I like all of those tools, by the way. It's more about like what we define as being a good platform. So I enjoy using those tools. There's definitely a place for those tools. They're all better than what came before. Just to be clear, my personal journey, I mean, way back when I did everything by hand, and then I built, so in 2004, I built out Volkswagen's infrastructure using CF Engine. So CF Engine version one, that was my first kind of infrastructure as code like set of things. So I built out all of Volkswagen stuff. And then I kind of followed the journey. So I did all of eBay Europe using Puppet. And that was like, again, a learning journey and evolution, much, much easier to use than CF Engine. CF Engine early days was like almost like a theory <laughs> rather than a practice. And then built out things like Cineworld Cinemas using Chef. So I really like Chef, again, as an evolution after Puppet. So we kind of go on this journey together. And that was kind of taking things from the more kind of infrastructure as code approach. Then Cloud Foundry kind of came out and really generalized a lot of those things. So it gave you the ability to take my code. As long as my code obeys kind of the kind of 12-factor manifesto, it obeys a certain set of rules. I can just push my code into Cloud Foundry and it just runs. You know, Cloud Foundry borrowed a lot from Google, a huge amount. Underlying technology was like, I mean, they're just, same as Kubernetes, they just stole the ideas from the Borg. It was built by a team who are ex-Google. And it works super, super well for that code so long as your code obeyed its rules. 
And the challenge we then found was that you take that, you have that opinion, bake all of that, you build the best possible platform with Cloud Foundry and you take it out to big organizations. And each big organization wants to do everything slightly different. They all have a slightly different set of regulatory concerns and compliance and governance and way their teams work and opinions about where data sits and how it, all that stuff is slightly different. So yeah, everyone wants to do 80% the same and 20% different or less. But the 20% they want to do differently is in a different place in the stack for each of them. So you can't ever have one off the shelf thing that meets everyone's needs. So this is my problem with like, you know, giving people cloud accounts. If every business used the same set of stuff in the same way, AWS will be able to give you like the one true platform that works, but they can't. They give you this massive wealth of services, many of which are just infrastructure level things because every business wants to do something a little bit different with them. So I firmly believe the reason why platform engineering and platform as a product more specifically are going to exist for a very long time is that your infrastructure is commodity, your platform is a product, and then what you offer, your value, that needs to be differentiated and novel so you can make profit on it from your organization. So it's like the stack. So your apps need to be novel. Your platform needs to be a product within your organization and your infrastructure needs to be commodity. That's why you can take your infrastructure off the shelf. You need a team to build your platform product. And then that is what will accelerate your business so that your novel differentiated business value really drives value, like as in people pay lots of money for it. So I think that stack exists almost independent of the vertical that you're in. And that's why I think people have really failed. I mean, you know, CTO at Pivotal, we tried to build the one platform like Pivotal Cloud Foundry that was going to take over the world and be everybody's platform. Why didn't that succeed? Why am I still not there now? Why am I not one of the richest people on, you know, in the world? Because you can't build one platform that meets everyone's needs. The only person who can build your platform is you. So that's why we're now building out Kratix is because we're trying to make it easy for you to build your platform rather than a vendor building your platform for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. I think with the 80-20 rule, because I kind of listening in and then having just kind of reflecting back on things you were saying and like Google, like Borg and the standardization, but the value it bought Google was probably astronomical. And so the problems that the organization are facing as much as, I guess, if I was being pragmatic or objective around the problem is that standardization will bring you more value even than the product platform as a product because why are they so different really like what's behaviorally going on where people are making such different decisions like technology is diverse you know but actually when you do really look at what people are doing the logic the business logic you can standardize on that business logic the actual outcome that what they built gave to the customer in the end is not so differential each time where every business of every single product of everything is so unique we might have to agree to disagree on that one because that was my lived experience of pivotal speak i think the nature of that deviation in the scale of it is maybe proportional to the size of the company pivotal we targeted like the largest companies in the world like top thousand largest companies and each one wanted to do things kind of like do things different but so you had a magic one though that wasn't about i mean just taking away platforms and products and all that out of the equation and you to look at it more on the problem itself you're like you know does homogeny solve the problem i guess like if you were to make some concrete decisions like business around how things were engineered and you could standardize on it would that reduce the need for a platform at all but it's like a hypothesis almost nothing to do it's really interesting to kind of think about that and think why can't we build a platform that everyone can use because you're going lowest common denominator at that point in time because everyone has to be able to use it and that's why your lowest common denominator is the infrastructure when you try and take that info level to the next step it's almost like the differentiation that Sorry, let me take a step back here. All businesses would make no profit 
if everything they offered was homogenous commodity. There's almost that definition of like, so go back to economics here. Like they'd make no profit if everything was just being sold at the kind of like marginal cost equals marginal price of economics. So you'd have like, just have undifferentiated commodity for absolutely everything. So the way businesses make money is by differentiation and doing something a little bit unique. Now, I think at the platform layer, that differentiation starts to come in. I appreciate what you're saying in terms of like, but the technologies might be the same, but everyone's technologies might be a little bit different or their business process more to the point might be a little bit different or their governance, their compliance, the way they set it up might be a little bit different. So people start to compete in these aspects where they do things a little bit differently and everything makes it, that's my point. They're mostly the same. If you blur your eyes, it looks exactly the same. And when you go on the ground and you do it with these organizations, it ain't the same. And you end up with everyone trying to decompile your software, recompile it in a different way, compose it in a different way. Like everybody did everything just a little bit differently. So those platforms are bespoke, are unique. And I say, I appreciate you may have lived different experiences than I have, but like my experience was. I just find it intriguing because I, I totally agree because my experiences are exactly the same. So it's yeah. like, I guess what I'm doing is like almost picking at the problem, like hypothesizing on, like taking away, I guess, this, the where we've come in from the industry because I think we fully align on like the need for the platform engineering and products and actually things are unique and things are different and businesses are organized that way. I was just kind of like parking that and then looking at the problem because like, just because it's intriguing because it's quite behavioral and people-based and it makes you think like well what happens if ai is writing the code is it that different what happens when all this stuff happens like do you have unique like edge cases is the human element the bit that's really causing the divergence or is it really truly is actually the business is requiring divergence and i guess that's really the tail end of it is like because it's an interesting path we're on anyway, where things are expanding in different ways, obviously from AI and, you know, just code and everything else. And so co-pilot and things. So you're asking a really good question there. And I think, it's, sorry if I kind of immediately clamped down on you. No, it's good. I just had to explain where I was coming from because I think I was kind of off on a tangent. I knew what I meant in my head, but it probably wasn't, I wasn't communicating it very well. But let me see if I can reflect this question in a slightly different way that really landed very well with me was, I do think so many businesses invent things that aren't actually different about them at all that they shouldn't do anyway they're a complete waste of time so in terms of like should they be doing these differentiated value of the 20 percent that's different maybe two percent is real difference and like 18 percent is just them wasting their own time because they've misinterpreted some kind of like governance or regulation thing so i see that so so commonly and then the next part on top of that is how much of a performance gain would get if they didn't deviate in that way so it's almost like they may be deviating in these ways that are like you know and the infrastructure zero percent on the platform thirty percent and on the app seventy percent. But should it actually be like zero percent of platform? Should you just use like Heroku off the shelf or whatever? But I've seen so many organizations where we would deliver platforms and then people would have a massive incentive to use the platform because they could offload all these kind of like operational concerns onto the platform and yet couldn't for all these reasons. So it's almost like you invert it where rather than saying to people, are oh, you know, I'm on the platform team, therefore I want to build a platform. I don't want something off the shelf. If you invert it so the application teams have the platform there, it's like, use it. If you use it, it's free. You don't have to worry about any of the apps. The app's staying alive on that, it's taken care of by the platform. If the apps go offline, once they've passed their test suite, we'll keep them running for you. Just don't you worry about it. It's so good for you. And then you get some adoption, but not total adoption. Yeah. And you teach people, why not? And they say, there's these things, we just can't get rid of them. So I think there was a lot of like, not invented here going on. There's a lot of like, I want to build it myself going on, a lot of CV based development going on. All those things are absolutely true. A lot of misunderstanding of rules and regulations, a lot of cargo coating, or the person who came in before me used to do it this way, therefore I do it that way. Yeah. All that stuff, I absolutely agree. And I think that's what you're kind of, your experience, maybe you've been met those kind of people doing those kind of things where they have maybe invented like traps for themselves to fall into based upon their experiences. Yeah, I guess I've just seen where the 
problems moving to because I think I'm totally in alignment and I agree I, everything you've said is, is absolutely spot on exactly the same experiences too and I'm also not saying that when it doesn't fit if you can't modernize it or change it that then it therefore just basically just should stay there and you can't use the platform like, obviously that's not an answer either but it's almost like the problem's moving around do you know what I mean it's like there's a root causes the thing and I think what you just said is like was it really just two percent rather than like the 20 percent and we can't solve that with a platform at all right and that's behavioral and it's organizational and it's very difficult to solve and these things happen for a reason and there's decisions made no one can rewind time and get into a time capsule and be like well we need a time capsule to solve this so we go back in time now we've learned that decision was wrong to like go and fix it it's just intriguing to see i guess the net of it all is like because of all of that which is also in you know justified it's not like it's not justified the problem then moves it's then caused to move and that's where you're saying well actually there's a value then in being flexible because of those situations and that's where we can meet them but i guess it's just intriguing more to me to kind of like play it all out so you kind of see how it all gets to a place in the end it all like circumvents into some place which is then going to be the platform and now the platform i guess has the cost to facilitate which is probably a value still i'm not saying it's not valuable but it's just i guess it's almost like saying the infolayer sometimes we do see things in infolayer where it's differentiated and it's necessary a good example would be like low latency financial trading like i've seen people where like down to like the nanosecond they need to like because the faster you get that trade in and out, like that will determine the success of your business. Also, like people doing content streaming, I'm like, hey, come and use the platform. It's going to be great for your content streaming. And they're like, we need 100 gig in and out. How's that going to work? Not quite like that on this platform. So there are things that even at an infrastructure level are differentiated depending upon the vertical and the business you're talking about. And that's kind of why I'm saying like, I think a lot of, you take some of the educators out and say, okay, 99% will work it's like standard infrastructure and 1% is customized. And then you get to the platform and it's like maybe a certain percentage, depending upon the customers we're talking to, but maybe like 30 or 40% is like standard and could just run on like Heroku. And then the rest of it needs some more, has some custom elements to it. And then you, you kind of, as you make your way, I'm, just, I'm describing a Wardley map here, by the way. <laughs> as you make your way kind of close to the customer, so things get more differentiated. So we think in the vast majority of organizations, like a platform team is necessary. If you're an organization that's at scale, by that I mean like five teams or more, and don't need a platform team because you haven't learned like where your differentiating parts are. I'm curious to know how that works. I'm curious to look into that and be like, I think there may be some efficiencies you could gain by having a platform team. Because once you get to five teams, you probably do need to start thinking, are there common elements on those teams? And therefore we could build a platform to support them. And does that platform feature things I couldn't just get off the shelf somewhere else? And almost everywhere I've looked, so we're working with companies that are like 30 people and they see value in a platform because they need common things delivered as a service that they can't get off the shelf even at 30 people so that's the kind of i think 30 people upwards that kind of level is where you start seeing value from your platform and the more teams you have consuming the platform it goes without saying the more teams you have the more you're like of a force multiplier it is the more value you get out of it yeah perfect i know we're kind of running slow and time and i've kind of like it's been quite very very interesting only on because i think i love these kind of conversations anyway and playing a bit of just listening to the people because i align so like tightly to all the principles like everything you've kind of said which then makes me almost like deliberately challenge my own view if you see what i mean because you're giving a view so it's like is this right you know are we doing a good thing and so i was just kind of playing devil's advocate on it because i think it's totally necessary but just more for my own like objectivity i suppose it helps 
always good to challenge our assumptions because yeah. I'm sure five years, two years time, whatever, I'll reflect on the things I said here and say, oh, I, that thing was wrong completely. I went and yeah. invalidate it. So obviously, the, you know, our views of the world are formed on a series of assumptions and then we yeah. go up, we form hypotheses, we go and invalidate them. So I'm sure there'll be some things I've said today oh, that I'll um, reflect on and be like, what was I talking millions, about? Millions of things I do that. It's story of my life, I think. <laughs> but if people want to find you, how would they find you, contact you if like wants to reach out to you? And Thank you for that chance. So sintasso.io be one way or yeah. you can go to Crack Cratics.io, showing the t-shirt off again. And you can look at the Cratics framework. I'm also Hat of Monkeys on Twitter. Not that people are using Twitter that much anymore. We should be using various different things. But yeah, Hat of Monkeys on Twitter and on LinkedIn as well. So find Colin Humphreys on LinkedIn, CEO at Sintasso. So please do contact me. I'm interested to hear if anything that I've said is you find it controversial, you don't agree with it, you do agree with it. Like I'd love to hear some feedback from the audience about whether or not you think your organization doesn't need a platform even though you've got 10,000 people. That'd be great to hear. Great to hear about those use cases. So yeah, up for being challenged on all of it. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much as well. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you.